During my time in Kinnerick Glennon Seminary, it wasn't all that infrequent that we would give tours of the seminary building to groups that would come through. That we would take them through the entire campus and we'd show them all the points of interest, the chapel, the classrooms, the library, and all of the different elements that could be seen. And we would often do this, and then at the end of that time, we would have a little bit of a point for question and answer. And without fail, one of the questions that would come up was, what do seminarians do with their free time? Usually, just to get a reaction, we would say, we don't have free time. And sometimes they'd fall for that. But oftentimes, we would give them the real answer, too. That we would tell them about all of the different ways that we would read. Perhaps we'd watch movies, maybe go out to a nice restaurant. One of the ones that I kind of left off the list very frequently, though, was going to the gym. And I left it off the list because it was frustrating. It was frustrating because so often I would go to the gym, I would run, I would lift weights, I would do all of these different training exercises, and the result was slow. In fact, it seemed like it should take just a few days. It didn't take a few days. It didn't take a few weeks. It didn't even seem to take months, but it seemed to take on the side of years that those results just seemed to take forever. And I dare say that's part of the human condition. We love instantaneous results. We love it whenever we Google something and it pops right up right away. And we look for that. But so often in life, results don't come that quickly. And especially when it comes to matters of faith, it seems that results may be very slow, if not intangible. What are we supposed to do in the midst of such defeating results? What are we supposed to do as a people of faith whenever we desire that end effect and it doesn't seem to happen? Isaiah this morning is speaking from this sort of analogy of rain and snow. Now, if we know his characteristic in a general way, we know he's a prophet of encouragement, and it makes sense, because the context that he's speaking to is the Israelite nation that is in captivity, that they're in the Babylonian exile, they've been driven from their homeland, and they seem to have lost all degree of hope. And yet, Isaiah speaks to them. He has that arduous task of trying to convince them that there is something coming. There's something greater. And so he uses this image. As the rain and the snow fall from the heavens and do not return until they have made the earth fertile, so is the word of God. That in fact, this rain and the snow, it has an end objective. It's coming down to give it the earth the fertility it needs and to give it water so that it can indeed bear fruit. And it can give seed to the one who sows and even bread to the one who is hungry. That in fact, it has an end objective. It has an, object, it has an effect. It has a result that it's looking for. But how more effective is the word of God? Because Isaiah has the task of convincing them that the Word of God, all the promises, all the things that he is going to give them, that they are indeed going to come to them, but they have to be patient and they have to wait a while. They have to have that gift of faith. As sure and as certain as the weather might be, so much more sure and certain is the Word of God. That is what Isaiah is speaking to the Israelites. Then we move on and we hear from St. Paul in his letter to the Romans, and he's speaking to the church in Rome, and the context for this is very obvious. That they are a church undergoing persecution. They're a church undergoing a lot of suffering, a lot of refinement, a lot of trials and tribulations. So Paul is very aware of all of this, and he starts to speak to them. 
it speaks to, of, to them from the heart. He says, all of these sufferings of this present life, I consider them as nothing as compared to the glory that will be revealed in us. He's aware there's sufferings. There's a current and present reality. There's a lot of things that are going on in the church in Rome at that time. He's not unaware and he's not oblivious to that fact. But he's willing to look past that because he knows there's something much, much greater coming in time. So he's trying to encourage them along. And he points to all of creation because he says that all of creation, as great as it might be, it too is suffering and labor pains. It's waiting adoption. It's waiting redemption. And so are we. But indeed, that is coming. We're not a people devoid of hope, but in fact, we are a people that are filled with hope. That that time is coming, that even our sufferings and tribulations will be long forgotten, because we'll see the glory and the magnificence of what God has given us if we wait for our time. That's what St. Paul is speaking to the church in Rome at that time. Then finally, we move to the gospel according to Matthew. This gospel has three parts. It has the parable, it has a dialogue with the disciples, and then it has an explanation of the parable, something that's rather uncommon and yet is there today. So we hear this parable, and it's one that we're all likely very familiar with, the parable of the sower. Jesus says, a sower went out to sow. As he sowed, some seed fell on the path. Birds came and ate it up. Some seed fell on rocky ground. It rose and then it withered for lack of roots. And then some seed fell among thorns. It grew up but was choked out by the thorns. And then some seed did fall on the rich ground. And it, bare, it bore fruit, a hundred and sixty and thirtyfold. The disciples hear this and they come to him and they ask, why are you speaking in parables? Why can't you just simply speak plainly without using all of these analogies and these allegories? Why can't you just tell us the truth? And Jesus reveals it to them. They've been granted some gift of the Spirit. They've been granted the gift of understanding, that they're able to understand in a certain way, and yet there's still those that don't quite have that gift just yet. And even the disciples themselves, they're likely needing more of that gift of the Spirit to help understand. Because then Jesus goes into this explanation. And it's not just for those outside of the disciples, but it's for the disciples as well. And he goes through and breaks down what each of the different areas are. That the ones that are on the path, those seeds that fall on the path, those are akin to the people that don't ever hear the Word of God. Their hearts are never open, and therefore the evil one comes steals everything away, that it's like the Word of God has never been spoken to them. Then there's the ones that are shallow. There's the ones that are able to receive the seed, at least for a time, but then trials and tribulations, that noonday heat, it comes to them and it, they wither because they don't yet have the strength that they need to endure. Then there's the ones that grow up amidst the thorns. All of the different anxieties and all of the lures of riches and everything else that can choke one out. And they, raise, they do grow for a time, but eventually the thorns take them over, that they're not able to reach completion. Then there's finally the seeds that, that fall on the rich soil, and they produce fruit in time, a hundred and sixty and thirtyfold. Then in fact, Jesus wants to break this apart for the disciples because he knows the desire on their hearts. And it's probably the desire that's on our hearts as well, that we want to see results, we want to see effect, we want to see that the Word of God is being carried out right here and right now. But is that what we're designed for? Because, my brothers and sisters, if we live just waiting for immediate gratification, I dare say in this life we're going to be disappointed. 
We're often going to be frustrated because God's timeline is in ours. We're going to be looking for effects so great and so powerful that we're actually going to miss what God is doing right here at this moment because we're too distracted. But we do seek results. But what is this telling us today? What are we to be a people that are focused on? If not on the immediate effect, what should we be paying attention to? Well, first is we need to develop the gift of faith. That Isaiah, when he's speaking to the people, he's trying to remind them of what the Word of God promises so that they don't lose that gift of faith. It's so precious and so important, but it's so easy to lose as well. Because they're in the middle of the Babylonian exile. The Lord has spoken all sorts of great things, and Isaiah is there continuing to try to remind them not to lose hope, not to lose faith, not to lose all the gifts that they have received, and yet they're struggling. But they need that gift of faith. Because as sure as the rain and the snow are, as soon as they fall and do their job, and then they rise back up to the heavens and continue the cycle, so much more effective is the Word of God. It's been promised to us. We know that. But we have to have that gift of faith to see an end of facts. Because oftentimes it's not going to come right away. But we're going to need to wait it out and see when the Lord does provide for us and give us fruit. But the second thing we should consider is what St. Paul is speaking to the church in Rome at the time about, that gift of fortitude. He's aware that sufferings occur. He's aware that trials and challenges occur in life as well. That he's not oblivious to this fact. And he's not speaking to people saying, it's okay, it's just fine the way it is. He's in fact very aware. He's saying, you are undergoing sufferings. You're undergoing trials and tribulations. You are in fact in turmoil. He's aware. But how much greater are the things that are coming? Because in St. Paul's mind, all of these sufferings, all of these trials and these tribulations, they'll be all but forgotten in time because of the glory. And I dare say that each and every one of you that hear this today, that there is no suffering, no trial, and no affliction that God cannot undo by his glory. But you have to have fortitude. I have to have fortitude. We have to endure that all of the things that are going wrong in this life, no matter what they are, no matter how great they might seem and how insurmountable they might seem to become, no matter what it is, there's glory that's going to make us all but forget about those things if we have fortitude, if we stay the course and continue on. Because St. Paul actually dovetails quite nicely into this parable. Because whenever Jesus is speaking, we often might put ourselves in the place of the sower. Because we might be very quickly fixated on what the sower is doing. Why is he wasting seed on all these places that are not good? Why is he throwing it into the thorns, throwing it on the path, and throwing it into this thin soil? It seems imprudent at best and foolish at worst. Why is he doing that? Well, it's because we're the soil. The sower is very faithful. The sower wants to give every bit of soil that chance, but we, in fact, are the ones that are being given that chance. The sower wants to see a result in us, but the problem is so often we're not cultivating that soil. Sometimes we can be like that path. Sometimes the Word of God might hit us and it might try to penetrate into our hearts, but ultimately the evil one comes and steals it away because we've become so hardened. Perhaps the sufferings in life have become too much. Perhaps we're so distracted by the different things going on around us that we're so hard of heart and so cold towards the Lord our God that we just don't care what he's saying. That could happen, and God help us if it does, because we're going to miss what the Lord is trying to do right in this very moment. 
then we need to have that supple heart that is soft and open to the Lord. And then there's the second stage, the one that's thin, the soil that's not all that deep just yet. And in fact, it's there whenever it feels good. It's like having faith whenever we feel on fire and fully alive in our faith. What happens when the tribulations and sufferings occur? What happens when that noonday heat beats down on us? Well, likely we're going to find ourselves faltering and starting to fall away. We can't just simply be there for the good times in faith. We need to endure for even those times of suffering and affliction. We can't become hard of heart. We can't become complacent in our faith. We rather need to continue to press on because we know that those times are coming. But how much greater is our faith going to be? And how much more is it going to prove itself if it gets us through those times? Well, perhaps we struggle with the thorns in life. Perhaps there's a lot of anxiety and fear on our hearts, so much so that it starts to block out the Lord, and we start to wonder, can he really take care of all of it? Can he take care of everything that's going on right now in my life? And we start to doubt. Or maybe there's the lure of riches. Maybe it's not even riches itself. Maybe it's all the distractions that cause us to scroll endlessly through whatever device we might have that we start to look through these things because the pain's all too much or we just can't endure. We're looking for that instant gratification. We don't want to wait for the results. But the results will come if we're faithful. Yes, these things have their places. All of these devices even can be good things at times. But oftentimes they can start to hinder our life of faith if we let them take up all of our attention. And so the thorns can overtake us. So how do we become rich soil? We have to be open. We have to be a people that are comfortable with silence. We have to be a people that are constantly saturating our hearts and our souls with the Word of God, with the Scriptures, with Jesus Christ Himself. We can't just do that when we get to it. We need to be doing that each and every day because the Lord is always trying to give us His grace. He's trying to give us His blessing. He's always trying to speak to us, but sometimes we're not very receptive. And that, in fact, is a reality for you and for me that oftentimes we need to be more receptive. We need to be looking for that gift of faith. We need to be looking for the seed of the Word of God that is being scattered about. We need to be ready to receive that. We can't be hard of heart. We can't be so afflicted, so tired, so troubled, so depressed, so filled with anger or discouragement that we can't receive that Word. Because if we do, it's going to be our fault that the Lord is here and he understands everything that's going on. St. Paul, even in his time, he's very aware of all the sufferings, all the afflictions, all of the things that are going on. He's not oblivious to that. He knows. But he wants them to receive the grace of God even in the midst of the worst case that they might have. It's the same for us. Because no matter where we are, we need to have our hearts softened and supple. They need to be open to the Word of God. Because difficult things are going to happen. Sufferings are going to occur. There are going to be trials and tribulations in our life. And they can serve one of two purposes. One, they can compact the soil. They can make it so hard that nothing will ever get in. And indeed, that's possible. We can become so filled with ourselves and so discouraged that we just let the Word of God roll on by. But we're going to hurt. We're going to fill ourselves with so much pain if we let that happen. That we're going to become so discouraged and so encapsulated in ourselves that it'll seem as if nothing will ever break through. But the Lord's trying to break through and cultivate our hearts, even in the worst moments. And that's where the second choice comes in. 
that even in the worst moments of life, we allow those to break up the soil in our hearts, that we allow that rain to soak in, that comfort, that peace of the Holy Spirit to enter into our hearts, and the Word of God to penetrate and to not only penetrate, but to, but to bear fruit as well. That choice is up to us, but we have to be faithful, we have to be filled with fortitude, but we have to go through that work of making our hearts cultivated and able to receive the Word of God that even the difficult moments of life, those should serve a purpose to make us softer and even more supple and even more receptive to the Lord. But it's only going to do that if we let it. Then the final point is this, that we can go and sow seed. We can be like the sower. We can be faithful to the Word of God, but it requires something important of us, that we not be a judgmental people. That we not look around at the soil that's around us and we decide where we're going to throw the Word of God or where we're going to witness or give testimony or where we're even going to speak about our faith at all. That it requires that we not have a judgmental heart or a judgmental attitude, but rather that we're faithful. What does God call us to do? To go forward and to cast seed. It doesn't matter where, but it matters that we go forward. Who knows? What's the possibility in your life right now that there is one person in your life and it's that person that you've written off? What if that one person is just one thing away from finally coming to grasp faith? Wouldn't you want to be a part of that? Wouldn't you have wanted to be the person that was able to go and cast seed into that place? Because we've each got those places. We've got individuals that we're called to go and cast seed before, that we're called to go forward and speak the Word of God. It requires us to renounce all judgment and to simply go forward and be faithful and to speak the words of truth at all times. We can't look and see where we think we're going to get the biggest effect or the greatest result, but in fact, we have to be faithful and to go cast seed everywhere. My brothers and sisters, there is a need for a bountiful harvest, not just in a general way, but in your heart and in mine, that the Lord wants us to be fruitful. He wants to see result. He wants to see effect. He wants to answer our prayers, and he wants to give us the deepest longings of our hearts. It requires faith. It requires fortitude, but it requires us to do that work of cultivating a heart that is soft and supple and open to receiving the Lord our God. The sower went out to sow, the Lord is working in our midst, whether you think it or not, that he is casting seed before you and he is trying to penetrate your heart and your soul. The question for each and every one of us, are we going to be open to receiving that word and producing fruit a hundred or sixty or thirtyfold? It may not be quite like the gem that we might have to wait a while to see those results, but if we have faith, they indeed will come.